Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, hey there, family. How was your week? Good. Can I be honest with you? Mine wasn't. Yeah. I just, you know, we value authenticity at this church, and I've told you a couple times I had a good week, and it was okay if you didn't. Well, this is my week to not have a good week. Um, and I really kind of was thinking about whether I wanted to share this with you or not, because I kind of thought, you know, just get up and preach and do your thing and get down. And then I thought, well, you know what? We really value the idea that we're a family here. And that means that I need to, if I want you to be authentic with me, I need to be authentic with you. So um, the reason my, a couple reasons my week wasn't good um, was that uh, on Tuesday, my dad got admitted to the hospital um, with severe sepsis. And uh, in the course of trying to figure out where things were at, they discovered he had a really serious infection running all up and down his spinal column, um, which had been causing him pretty uh, incredible pain for the last several weeks. But we thought it was just overexerting because they'd been moving homes. Um, and so um, I was told late with Tuesday, my dad was going to be going to emergency surgery. And um, it wasn't just kind of a standard surgery. It was kind of like, we'll see what happens. And so I uh, flew up on Wednesday morning to be with my family up in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And, uh, and so I'm very grateful. Uh, the surgery went well. Um, he's, he is recovering, but they're telling us it's going to be a very long recovery. Um, but they're optimistic. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but you can imagine that just kind of, you know, it's rough to, to see your dad like that. And... Um, so, uh, so that was that was one part of it, and then uh, also uh, found out on Wednesday that uh, that Carla Meunier, our youth pastor, um, has been admitted to the hospital um, for an indefinite stay as well, and they're working on the reasons behind that. Um, we don't know, so don't ask. <laughs> um, um, so they're working on that, but uh, just praying for her as well, and just want to ask a, a favor when it comes to Carla. Um, we'd just like to ask you. I know that many of you got a lot on your heart for her, but we'd just like to ask you, if you're going to reach out to her, just do it by email. Um, one of the things I discovered this week is I got a lot of text messages from people, and I really appreciated it, but I felt guilty when I wasn't able to respond right away because I'm in the middle of dealing with <laughs> medical stuff and, and all that family stuff that goes along with it. So if you want to send a note of encouragement to, to Carla, just let her know you're praying for her. Just ask, you know, respect her privacy on what, whatever's going on there. And also just, uh, you know, if she doesn't respond, it's not because she didn't see it or read it or it was deeply meaningful, but she's got stuff going on. So um, those are kind of some things that kind of were heavy on my heart this week. But if you had a great week, man, I'm glad you did. I'm really glad you did. And that's a good thing. But like I said, at this church, we want to value authenticity. And I know that I wanted to share that with you because um, there's been times where people have had major things going on in their lives, and I found out way after them, I was like, man, why didn't they tell me? I, I would have liked to have prayed for them or, you know, just... And so I just share with you because you're my family. So, um, and I hope that if you have things going on in your life, you'll share with me or one of the other pastoral staff or the other parts of our family here so that we can 
put our arms around you and love you um, because that's important. It's part of being a family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, as I get into your word this morning, I pray that you would um, help me to say what you want me to say. Um, Lord, I've been married for a couple years, but uh, you were single your entire life. So I'd like you to speak and say what you have to say to singles this morning. I pray in your name. Amen. Now, I said to singles, but this is actually a sermon for all of us, okay? Amen. Right? It's for all of us, whether you're single, married, or whatever you may be. Um, this is a sermon for you. And here's the thing. So um, when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, I got a phone call from Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia, and they said, we'd like you to teach a religion class for us at Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. And I said, no, thanks. Um, I'm not really into comparative religions. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my specialty, not what I do. I'm, you know... And they said, well, no, this, you don't know how to teach Adventist beliefs? And I was like, well, that's a trick question, isn't it? Because I'm an Adventist pastor. I've ever been able to know how to do that. And I said, well, yeah, I know how to do that. And they're like, that's what the class is. I said, well, I didn't think you were an Adventist institution anymore. I thought you'd kind of become a, your own nonprofit. And they're like, yeah, but we still teach a, you know, a religion class, Seventh-day Adventist, because it's part of our heritage, part of what, you know, where we come from. I said, well, how many students do you have that are, that are Adventist? Well, out of a class of 70, usually there's maybe five to seven. So, so you want Seventh-day Adventist beliefs taught at a school of anesthesia, because I'm pretty sure these students came here not to get religion, but to kind of, you know, further their career. Yep, that's what we want. So anyway, it was a fun experience, taught for nine years, loved it. Every time somebody asked me um, why I was teaching at a school of anesthesia, I said, well, you know, it's primitive anesthesia that I teach. Pastors have been putting people to sleep for years. There we go. All right, so there you go. There you go. All right, thank you. Dad joke done. All right, there we go. So there we are. All right, so there we go. All right, so, so here's the thing. I say all that, long setup for a short point. Um, I get to my seventh or eighth year teaching this, and I'm teaching on creation, and I'm here in this beautiful text in Genesis, Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm teaching this to this religion class. And, um, and, and it says, I will make a helper. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper on who is just right for him. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And so I'm teaching this. I have taught it probably every year for the last seven years exactly the same way, teaching this class to tell him, you know, you know, Marriage is a beautiful thing. It's, it's this image of God. It's the Trinity. You know, in our belief system, we see that this, 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 this image that a husband and wife with God is a Trinity as well. And so, you know, this, this the completion in, in marriage. And, um, you know, it's, it's just this beautiful thing. So I get done. I'm happy with the way I taught the class because I'm awesome, obviously, um, in my own mind. I say that to set this up that I'm not awesome um, because one of my students came forward afterwards and she said, I'd like to speak with you for a moment. And I said, okay. And she said, um, she said I don't know. She said, you know, uh, I feel like I have a relationship with you where I can say this to you. She goes, I, I go to a, a Bible-believing church that's not of your persuasion. I don't really have a relationship with the pastor there, but he just got done a week or two ago having an anointing for those of us who are single that we wouldn't stay that way. And I didn't say anything at the time. She said, but today I just couldn't help myself. I know you and I just want to know, do you really think I'm not complete? (laughs) 
not awesome. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yes, you, but well, I, but I taught, um, well, but Genesis, oh, how do I answer that question? Well, no, I think you're complete, but uh, I was like, man, can I just go back and look at my Bible a little bit more and think about this? She goes, well, I'll tell you what, you ever preach a sermon to singles? I'll be there. She goes, I never hear them in church. You guys are always preaching to the married people. There's all this stuff for families and kids, but us singles, we just get to sit there and kind of be like, oh, yeah, cool, nice. And so I thought, wow, okay, that's a challenge. So um, unfortunately, two years later, there was a lot of the pandemic that happened. So that kind of cut that uh, sermon short there. But wherever you are, this one's for you. All right, so here you go. So this is it. I don't, maybe she'll tune in. I don't know. So what is it? Is, is it or isn't it complete? I really got to thinking about it, and I have to tell you, I know the answer now. You are complete if you are in Jesus. Okay, that's the whole point of what I'm going to be talking to you about today. If you're in Jesus, you are complete. But what does the Bible have to say when it comes to singles? Well, one of the most passionate passages that we're going to come across is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And it was our scripture this morning. This time I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says it this way. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please God. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married or can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will, be, will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Well, that's interesting. Now, now here's the fun thing. So I start doing my research on these passages, right? One of the things that pastors will do, will get commentaries out and start reading through them. What's truly amusing is to look at some of these commentaries and, and listen to how they try to explain that it's not saying what you just heard it say. <laughs> well, you know, if you look earlier in the passage, Paul actually says, because of the times that we're in, and so they were living in a time of persecution, and Paul was trying to say that during that time of persecution wasn't a good time to do that. And I can go, okay, maybe, but the problem with that is, what is our name? Seventh-day... Advent. So we kind of believe Jesus is coming soon, right? So, eh, you know, that kind of, that, the problem with that is that we're saying, okay, well, that time, because that's what Paul actually says. He says, because the time is short. <laughs> so, so, you know, just saying. So, so there's that. And then also, just a little bit earlier in the chapter, in the first part of 1 Corinthians 7, Paul happens to say a little bit more clearly. He goes, I wish you were all single like me. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Paul actually seems to say that, that not only is singleness an option, but for him, it was preferable. Now, the funny thing is when I read the commentary, they say that marriage is preferable. In that same, as they're still analyzing this, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if that's really, you know, but the real thing that I think that maybe we ought to think about, rather than saying marriage is preferable or singleness is preferable, is whatever will help you serve the Lord best is preferable. Fair? Okay. Well, that's just Paul. Paul says a lot of crazy things, right? 
Oh, let's get Jesus involved. Let's get Jesus involved. So Jesus is asked about marriage, and he, he uses that passage that I talked about in Genesis, where he says that this is why a man should leave a woman. So definitely, clearly, sets up marriage as being a, a thing and a good thing. But then he says, but, starts talking about divorce. Says, you know, except in the case of unfaithfulness, you're committing adultery if you get, and this is Jesus talking, okay? So just go read it for yourself. And so the disciples say what a lot of you are thinking right now. They're like, come on, Jesus. If there's no escape hatch when my spouse is completely unreasonable, unkind, unloving, not nice, then maybe it's not better to get married. And Jesus goes, good work. (laughs) He says, not everyone can accept this statement. Only those who God helps. And then he says, some are born eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry. And by the way, the way it really originally reads is some choose to be eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Um, There was one early church father who really took this very literally. Uh, His name is Origen. And uh, he made himself a eunuch. Uh, quite literally, in this particular case. I would discourage you from literally doing that. All right? So some of us might not be sure what a eunuch is. Um, and, you're, and a eunuch is somebody who is not able to have children. Generally, it's referring to a male. Um, and so Jesus is saying some... And, and by the way, back in those times, what would happen is if you, uh, if you were a king and had a whole bunch of wives, you needed somebody to help take care of them, but you didn't want them to, you know really take care of them. And so they would make them a eunuch to take care of that. By the way, uh, tangent, fun, interesting fact, there are many theologians who believe that Daniel was probably a eunuch. Um, And there's some interesting biblical evidence for that. It's not a certain thing, but there's some who believe that. Now, all this to say, Jesus is making a really important point here. He's saying there are some people who are just born not, that they're not going to reproduce. That's just not going to happen. There are others that human beings forced to be that way. And he said, there's others that because of what they believe God's call on their life is, choose to go that route. And what's really important to, to, to grasp a hold of is that up until this point in the Bible, that if you were a eunuch, you could not be a priest, So you couldn't be a part of the priestly system in the Jewish religious system. You couldn't be a priest. And why this is becoming interesting is because we're going to look at a Bible verse that talks about the priesthood of all believers. And so Jesus is actually beginning to say, even eunuchs can be priests in the kingdom that I'm creating. Okay? But Jesus actually takes it one step further. For those of you who are like, okay, Ken, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is Jesus saying it's not better to get married? I don't know. And some of you are like thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you, are you preaching a sermon that you shouldn't get married? Nope, not doing that. Not saying that. Don't take a clip out of this and say that I said that. I didn't say that. I think marriage is a good thing for people that God is calling to that. But I think that being single is a good thing for those who God is calling to that. That's what I'm saying, okay? 
But Jesus takes it one step further. Again, he's being given a hard time by some of the religious leaders. And uh, <laughs> they ask him this crazy scenario. This, this woman had seven husbands, basically. Who's, uh, whose wife will she be? Interesting, right? The, in our culture, we can't. It's like, well, anyway. So anyway, they say, so who's, who's, who, who, who will she belong to in the resurrection, basically? Um, and, and Jesus replies, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures. Now, to say this to a group of people who had the entire Old Testament memorized, literally, goes to something we talked about last year, is that there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Is that they, had the, they, they knew things, but they didn't have wisdom to understand and apply. Okay? And you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. So does this mean there will be no marriage in heaven? I'm just going to say, read the Bible verse. And I've heard all kinds of ways of thinking about it. There's some people who think that there's like the period after Jesus returns to earth and raises the dead. There's a thousand year period there. And then he comes back. There's a second. That's a different sermon. But they think, well, it's during that period that there'll be no marriage. That doesn't really kind of sit for me. It doesn't settle quite right because... But on the other hand, you read in, in uh, the Old Testament, Isaiah, that there will be children in heaven. So, so the question is, okay, well, how's that all happening? Let me put it to you this way. There are a few of you sitting here today who think, oh, maybe you are, you know, just married or something. Or, or maybe, you know, you've been married for a long time and you think, oh, if I'm not married to that wonderful person in heaven, that's going to be hard. And there's a few of you that just snickered out loud. They're thinking, don't give yourself away. But it is an interesting thing that, the, that uh, we say till death do us part. And it kind of, I think, reflects a little bit to what Jesus is saying here. So will there be marriage or not marriage in heaven? The question is, we probably don't want to spend too much time overthinking it. Here's what I'll tell you. It's like my kid who um, is, we're getting ready to plan our first trip to Disney World, right? And they say, will there be a seesaw there? And you're like, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe, probably, probably not though. Well, I don't want to go if there's not going to be a seesaw, like at the park down the road. Family, let's not think small, when it comes to heaven. Let's kind of understand that, that whatever God has planned for us is going to blow your mind. And whatever we don't have here, there that we have here, we're not going to miss it. Okay? And so let's not get caught into making idols where if that's not there, then I don't want to be there. The only thing that would make me want to not be in heaven is if Jesus wasn't there. That's the only thing. I love my kids. I love my wife. And I desperately want them to be there. But I'm going to be there. Period. Okay? So let's not make marriage an idol, which I think happens more often than we realize within the church. And I'm talking about the global church. We kind of set marriage up here. Sometimes we even we put it, well, we put it above Jesus. 
Jesus is always first. That's the essence of Christianity. Come follow me. Jesus first. So let's go ahead and also talk a little bit about that new paradigm that Jesus was talking about. In Revelation, they see Jesus returning. And this is, let's rejoice and be glad and give glory to him because the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. See, the new thing that Jesus is introducing into his church, when I say new, it wasn't new. It was always the way it was meant to be, but it's just like kind of when, you, when you're in first grade and, and then you go to ninth grade, algebra isn't new, it's always been there, but you were building up till you could do that algebra, okay? So it was always there. And what Jesus is saying is like in the Old Testament, we see people keeping genealogies, family records. This is my dad, this is my dad, da, 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 you know, so on and so forth. This is my mom back, back a ways. And it was that that gave you belonging in the community because you could trace your genealogy. Well, the interesting thing is with Christ, he is our genealogy. You don't have to memorize all your ancestors because you are a part of the family because you are in Christ, period. And so Jesus wants to be the groom of his church, the bride. Following with me? And it is his church that is the true family. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Keep in mind, Jesus says some will choose to be eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom, and in his kingdom, you can be a priest no matter whether you are a eunuch, whether you are male, whether you were born into the right group of people, because there is no right group of people, whether you are female, you can be a priest. It's what the Bible says. And it frustrates me to death when people can't, who want to talk about reading the Bible as it reads will say that there isn't a priesthood of all believers. We all are. That's why at this church, we have women who are pastors. We all are able to minister. And you do not have to be married or not married to serve the Lord. It's just what the Bible says. It's just what the Bible says. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You are God's family. And this is why you need the church. You don't need to get married, but you do need the church. Because together, we are Christ's bride. In our society, we like to individualize things, and there's a place for that. 
there's also a place to remember that we are better together. And one of the things that I would love to go ahead and tell you is that you need this family. One of the things that, uh, one of the Bible commentaries that I read said was that you need to get married because if you don't, you can't be in a relationship that will refine your character. I respectfully disagree. That's the church. If you are single and you live in a church experience, you are surrounded by other believers who can help refine your character. You don't have to be in a married relationship to have people around you who hold you accountable and help you know what's going on in your life. That's where the church can play a huge role. So a few thoughts for you as we wrap up here. If you're single, you are every bit as valuable as someone who's married. You are not less than. Not at all. That's biblical. But what it is about is you hearing God's calling on your life. And God may be calling you to be single all your life. And you may be happy about that, or you might be sad about that. And if it makes you sad because that's where God's calling you, we're here to walk with you in that moment. But I also encourage you to listen to God's call on your life because he knows what's best. He knows what's best. And sometimes it's hard to accept. The other thing that I would urge you is to really fully engage with your church. As a single person, you need this church. As a married person, you need this church. Whoever you are, you need the body of Christ and you need the groom, Jesus. Okay? We need each other. But as a single person, one of the things that you have to be aware of is that you have the ability to pull away from things that are not fun to deal with. It's easier to pull away. And what I'd encourage you to do is to engage rather than pull away. One of the things that concerns me is when I see people leave one church when there's conflict in that church. They're like, oh, this church is not nice. There's conflict. I want to go. There's a Conflict is one of those ways that God refines our character. And instead of running away from the church, lean into it. There's been a lot of times in life where I know that I haven't been in the wrong, but I know that God needed me to stick it out. You need church. The final thing I'd like to say to you if you're single is live a life that is holy. Can I use that word holy? If you are single, live a life that is holy. A life that shows that you're married to Jesus in the same way that a married couple should be living a holy life that is married to Jesus. You following me? Be careful of the messages the world sends about sex. Make sure that you have really looked at the Bible and what God's telling you about what it means to live a holy life.
because it's easy in the culture that we get into to allow our hearts to get really shattered because the culture that we live in sends us messages that cause hurt if we follow those messages. So really prayerfully look at what it means to live a holy life. Married friends here today, those of you who like me are married, what can you do for the singles in your life? The first thing I'd like to suggest is you be thoughtful and kind. Be thoughtful and kind. Just because you always thought that marriage was the only way to go doesn't mean that that's what God is putting on someone else's heart. And maybe before you try to hook that person up with somebody, maybe ask them if that's what they want. Maybe just be respectful. Just say, and if they say no, no's a complete sentence. You don't need to say, oh, but they're so, no. No is no. Be thoughtful. Be kind. Be thoughtful. Be kind. The next thing I'd encourage you to do is include those who are single. It's a very easy thing when you're married to kind of work with other married couples, when you have kids, to work with people who are in, to have kids. It's natural. It's understandable. But it's not beneficial. What's beneficial is to really pull in those who are single and not leave them to try to fend for themselves out on the margins but to invite them. You know, one of the things you can do too when you invite a single person is say, hey, if you'd like to bring a friend with you. Why? Because how do you feel if you came to church today all by yourself? It feels a little lonely, a little scared. You know people here, but I mean, you're by yourself. A lot more fun to come with a friend or somebody that you care about. And so when you're inviting a single to come do something, make sure they know they're welcome to bring somebody with them if they'd like. And then don't be making cute comments about things. Yeah? Just welcome them like you'd welcome anybody else. All right? All right. Final thing for my married friends. Please don't push singles towards something that Jesus may not be leading them toward. Amen. You know, Anderlene in first service brought something up that I hope she'll bring up again. But she mentioned that there's a huge pressure to get married inside of a church setting that she's experienced. That there's this like, if you don't get married, you're not complete, you're not whole, so you gotta get married. And that kind of sometimes shoves people into relationships that aren't healthy for them. Amen. I've watched that happen. I remember watching one friend of mine that the church was just determined that she should be marrying the associate pastor. Just, just sure of it. And it was a disaster from beginning to end. Let's go ahead and make sure that we're not pushing people towards something that Jesus isn't. Okay? As I close these verses, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. For some people, that means being single. For some people, that means being married. But what it means most of all is that our primary focus in this life is serving Jesus. Amen. Why? Well, because of this verse right here that is the answer to the question that I told you at the very beginning. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Family, our completion isn't in marriage. Our completion is in marriage to Jesus. Amen. Our completion is found in Jesus.
that's the only place where we can find completion and our lives will be better when we understand that. So let me just say, one of the things that I love most about our services is this part right here. And Stanley does an outstanding job, so I'm going to try not to mess it up today. Uh, But I really enjoy it because it really helps us start to unpack the message. And let me say that there is another opportunity to do that later this week when you get the podcast that we'll talk about that in a second. So I want to thank Anderleen for being up here. And uh, you had a great intro on why you wanted her up here yeah, to begin with. I, I, I've been married for 23 years now. And so I, this week as I was preparing the sermon, I talked to a couple of my friends who are single, said, hey, what do, you, what do I need to think about? And uh, Anderleen was one of those friends that I chatted with. And I thought, man, it'd be fun to have her come up and do Q&A <laughs> so it's not just two married guys telling people stuff. So uh, <laughs> thank you, Anderleen, for coming up here with us. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I'm going to start with this question. Sure. Can you think of an experience in church when you felt loved and accepted and valued as a single person and what specifically made you feel included? Uh, They asked that again, huh? Yeah. Okay. So as I shared previously, for me, um, I went through growing up in a culture that values highly being married. And there is no other option presented outside of just getting your education and being married. You went off to college, but nothing beats being married. So it was everything that we were taught and the pressure of that was just so tremendous because I had never imagined myself being married. And then I went through the process of growing up through that and then being in a church that elevated marriage. And so when I was divorced and single, you could imagine the sense of desperation and trauma that was for me. And so returning back to church was uh, going to take a lot more than just simply entering through the doors. So two people truly impacted me. One was the pastor there at that time who just made it a point to say, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you for being here. We're here for you. We're going to support you through this journey. Because I had shared with him that I, I just divorced and I didn't, I didn't know whether to go to the left or to the right. And I have a child and all of these things. So he affirmed the fact that they were going to surround me. And then the second one was the greeter at the door. She made it a point to hug me and bring me close. Every single Saturday that she saw me, she would hug me because the physical touch also was like, you don't think about it. The hugs you get every day from your spouse. Well, that's now gone for me. So between those two who made it an intentional point to say, I'm here, and not only am I going to be here and support you in words, I'm going to also support you in action. So those two were tremendous for my, just just coming out of that uh, period of my life and being single and embracing that single. And as I shared earlier, there was just so much pressure that I, I felt and I grew up with and even walking out of a, a divorce to, to be single again, that trauma reverberated and, and made me actually 
elevates in, uh, uh, being married, it almost became an, an idol for me. And I could have actually entered, and shared this earlier, entered into an uh, awful second marriage. And if you guys don't know the, the trajectory of, of second marriages in, in our world, they're worse off in terms of statistics <laughs> than your first one. <laughs> so to your point, that yeah. book can. So yeah. um, I'm so grateful for those two who really did not want to see me enter into another situation that would have tremendously impacted me. Wow. So there are a lot of great questions. I've got time for one more. One more, go for it. Uh, Corbin asks, does God really want me to be single or married? Does he care? Mm. Ken? <laughs> I want to make sure I heard that right, so go ahead and say it one more time. Does God really want me to be single or married? Does he care? So let's go ahead and start with the, back, uh, the last part and, and go that way. So God does care. Um, I am a believer that, that, that God, uh, you know, Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. So I, I'm a big believer that God does have plans for your life. But I also want to be clear that it's not like if you missed like the turn that you're in you're, you're, you're doomed. Um, I view God's way, when he says, I know the plans for you, I view it a lot like a GPS. Um, GPS has the fastest way to get from one place to another, arguably. Um, and if you've ever missed a turn or, not, or gotten off, it may cost you a little bit more time to get back where you're going, but if you listen to it, you'll get back on track. And so that's the way I view it with God, is that God has a best way. Mm -hmm. And I am continually making mistakes, and God's continually, that's okay, let's just reroute. It's okay. We'll reroute. It'll be okay. And so, and so for me, I do believe God has a best plan for your life. Mm -hmm. I do believe that he cares. I believe, I believe God cares about the house you buy, the car you yes. drive. I, I think he cares about the food you eat. That's right. And I don't say that in a way that you're like lost if you get it wrong. I say it in the way that the same way that a parent cares about children and says, mm -hmm. hey, this is what's best for you. Um, and so does God want you to be single or married? I don't know. That's you and God's call to make. And I think there's some people that God thought it'd be better for you to be single and they got married. And God said, cool, we'll work with that. We'll work with that. That's fine. And there's some people that didn't get married and God, that maybe that's what God wanted. And God says, that's cool. We'll work with that. Mm -hmm. um, so the big thing for me is just to always be going to God and asking him and then not to be, not live in terror that you're going to mess up. Mm. But to live in the grace that you're going to mess up and God's going to be there to bring beauty out of ashes. You know, can I add something? And okay, don't ask me for Bible studies after this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You may want Bible studies after this. But God created Eve to deal with what problem? The problem of loneliness. It's a response to loneliness. And now we're in the age where God has created what? The church in a response to loneliness. Mm -hmm. So if God, does God care about whether or not you're in a relationship? Yes, he does. But we define the relationship so narrowly within marriage. But there are people groups, there's centered groups, there's all kinds of groupings to deal with the problem of loneliness. And we had that pandemic before the pandemic. Yeah. Come on. 
Last word. I'm done. <laughs> so I'm a marketer by trade. So I would be remiss if I didn't actually leave you with a tease to listen to the podcast with this last question. Uh-oh. So you don't have to answer today. <laughs> They're going to unpack this during this week's podcast. A friend asked, what if you were in a marriage and realized that you should not have been because of various reasons? Should I get out? I would be more fulfilled single, but my spouse may be disappointed. Think about what the answers might be. Come back and listen to the podcast. Well, it's this hard week. not to not to touch it, but Woo. you're gonna listen to the podcast. So there you go. <laughs> so thank, a good you. One. thank you, Tony. Thank Great you. job. <laughs> All right, family, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you that we are complete in Jesus, lacking nothing, having everything. Thank you that his inheritance is our inheritance. Lord, help us to live in deep, committed relationship to you. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, family. Next week, because there's a few of you out there like, he doesn't like marriage. I do. So we're going to talk about it next week. All right. Next week, we're talking about marriage and family. Look forward to seeing you here then. You know I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.